thank you that grace appeared, grace came, grace manifested first, which gave us the ability to have faith. We couldn't conjure up faith, we couldn't work for faith, we couldn't grow in faith before grace came. We thank you that grace is the enablement, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability that we didn't have before. We thank you that grace does happen at salvation, but I thank you, Lord, that grace is an ongoing thing that Paul talks about that we steward and that we actually give away, the Bible says. Paul says, the grace that I have, I give to you. It's transferable. It's, it's releasing to others, which gives them the ability that they didn't have before. Yes, it's God's grace, but he entrusts grace to us to give away. So just think about that time that grace appeared. That, that word is charis, and it means kindness. Think about that moment that the kindness of the Lord appeared to you. You're a soul. You're a person. You will live forever. There's so many people that don't know him, lost, hurting, dying. And, and, and we've stepped into light. We've stepped into love. We've stepped into eternal life. And we're thankful, God. Remind us again of the gift of eternal life. Remind us again of your kindness. Remind us again of that time that we said yes. You can open your eyes and grab a seat. How good's that, hey? There's a song Chris sings. It's, it's take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. There you go, lifting my load again. That's what Nolene's talking about with prayer and, and sozo. It might seem like a weird thing you might have had. We've all got bad, not bad, but different histories with the word inner healing prayer ministry. I've got a list of reasons and even when Nolene said it it triggered some things that I've experienced some positive and some negative and most of the time when we talk about any aspect in church life any truth any scripture every any song everything that anything that's well known in church circles um, there there's an opportunity to respond and often because when people say things it triggers memory because that's how we're created, there's a memory attached to words, then it triggers things, whether positive or good. And, uh, and I just want to echo what Nolene said. It, it's, um, it's an incredible, you know, Billy Graham said before he passed away, he, he was asked if he had any regret, and he said, I wish I prayed more. <laughs> and we've been talking about prayer for a couple of years now, that word pros UK, which means to come face to face and to give him our life. So we're really passionate about um, seeing what God wants to do in our church specifically when it comes to coming face-to-face, -face, giving Him our life, and then presenting our requests to Him, and then praying for other people, intercession. It's standing in the gap between them and God, and it's saying like Abraham and Moses, I know your heart, God, so I'm praying for them, and they're here, and then He makes a way and touches them. So we're, we're, we're excited about what is happening, and we're thankful for Nolene, for Jeannie, for my mum, Marg. Um, and, and Angela and those four. So pray for the prayer leaders, um, which is all good. So it's exciting. Hey, this is our 10th Sunday morning. That's good, isn't it? Is that a clap, James? <laughs> Just one clap. Disappointing. No, no, this is our 10th Sunday. It's gone quick. And, and like we're, we're, um, we're three months into the year. 
Easter's gone, guys. It's gone. Remember it was coming? Now it's gone. Remember we had Christmas? And the next thing that, that's on our calendar is Easter. The Easter's gone. We're three months into the year. 36 Mondays until Christmas. It's exciting. We're in autumn. We're not in summer anymore. We're in autumn. And winter's going to follow. And then spring's going spring's to appear. It's the tiger's favorite time of the year, springtime. And then we enter into summer. And Christmas will be here. And then guess what? We're going to be coming around to Easter again. But we're 10 months, uh, 10 weeks into the service. Uh, and I want to, oh, this morning, I want to do a little bit of recapping because we're not in a hurry. Uh, I, I, it's not because I don't have anything else to talk on. Um, it's not because I'm bored and I just want to recap something that's easy because I've already got notes for it. In fact, I prepared a 10-page sermon and lost it on Saturday, which is a brilliant, exciting Saturday for Justin, who's preaching on the Sunday. Um, so actually, it was Friday. I lost that for some silly reason. It didn't auto-save. Um, so I lost it um, and I thought it was amazing. Um, but God cares and, and wasn't concerned when I asked him. Um, and, then, and then I was just praying, and then I, I, I went downstairs to Lee, and I said, I just lost my whole sermon. And she's like, oh, well. I'm like, mm. <laughs> love a blunt wife with her words of affirmation husband. Um, and then I was sort of processing my pain um, because I put in a lot of effort, um, and it was wiped in a moment. Um, and it's all stuff I'm passionate about and know, but I like to collate so that we can follow. Um, so then I just sucked it up and got up really early on Saturday morning and um, typed another nine pages. And I lost that too. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, but I want to, I want to, um, I'm going to recap. Um, yeah, I want to recap uh, the, the last couple of months because we've been here 10 weeks in senior leadership position. Lots happened. We're not interested in rushing and ticking lots of boxes. We've got a really clear vision. We've got a, um, eight core beliefs. We've got a goal. We've got this amazing um, passion to see the church grow and the people in it grow um, and to move into the vision and to see it play out in our lives at home first and then in our community. That's the heart. It's not, hey, can you grow in the vision and core beliefs so it happens here? It's like, no, 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 that's secondary. It's always secondary. The, the church here is, is second. It's got to play out second here. It's got to be first in our homes. It's got to be first in our marriages. Like kindness fuels our responses is one of our points under our sixth core belief, building, uh, building healthy families and relationships. There's a quote in there that says, kindness fuels our responses. So before it's here, it really needs to be at home. So Because there's lots of opportunities all day, every day to be offended at our spouse, our partner or our kids. Yeah? Even when driving or at our co-workers, there's always opportunity to be offended, to be defensive, to get that knot in the stomach, that justice thing that was meant to be for good, but we twist it and make it for bad and they've got to pay because they did something wrong. But no, we go, hang on, kindness fuels my responses. So what does that look like? Oh, I've got to encounter kindness. Oh, wow, I encountered kindness when I said yes to you. You're so kind, God. So can you reveal that kindness again? Because I want to be like you, because you're amazing. So this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. We're, we're, pursuing, we're pursuing a vision that we feel like the Lord's laid down for Destiny Church. We're pursuing core beliefs which uphold the vision, presence, health, and influence, building a supernatural culture upon God's presence, 
which causes us to live in love, health, honor, and power as we introduce the world to Jesus every day. So we're, we were really passionate over four weeks to present what we really felt God put on us um, as the senior leaders here to take us forward into what He wants to do because He's amazing and He's got a great vision and He loves people. And we had a prayer and worship service and that was amazing. And then I spoke and I, I shared a word which I felt was going to help us with this whole area of the vision and the core beliefs. I feel like my responsibility, especially in this first six months, is to paint a clear picture of where we're going as a church and then to give us tools so that we can actually see that happen. And often I can get passionate about preaching and forget some tools sometimes, um, but I'm working hard on putting things in your hands saying, you know what, how are we going to do that? I feel like this is going to be a key. And I shared about how I felt consistency was a word that God put on my heart last year when I was on a cruise ship at the front of the ship, having a banana and a strong latte, uh, reading the Bible at 6am and a muffin. Um, and I felt like he said, consistency is a key for the church. Often with church, we, we come and it's great coming, but it's two hours out of the whole week. We might come to a midweek meeting or an option or an event, and that might be another two hours. And that's a four-hour week, and it's outside of our life. And over here, we have church clothes, which clearly I don't agree with, um, my Sunday best. But we have, we have church clothes over here, and we've got our, our life clothes over here. And it's really easy to just put them on on those two-hour slots. But I feel like the Lord is saying, you know what? Um, in Colossians 3, it says, now God, who is your life. So I feel like he's saying consist consistency is going to be the key that brings everything together where the church and the ministry stuff flows out of this already amazing life that we're living in him. Does that make sense? Awesome. So consistency is a really big deal. I just want to share quickly what that means. Describe something that's done in the same way for a long period of time. It's steadfast adherence to the same principles, course or form. We're not interested in changing the subject, although I don't, we've got to be creative. We've got, to, we've got to be asking the Lord what He wants to say and speak with the now word of the Lord and not just regurgitate the same messages. I'm passionate about not doing that. But in the same breath, we don't want to be talking about 50 different things so we don't know where we're at. Because we could write a list of 120 or 150 different things that the Christian life involves. But I feel like it's our responsibility to paint a picture and bring some clarity because when we've got clarity, it brings confidence. In any role that you have, whether it's work, whether it's in a football team, any, any area of life, when there's clarity around what's happening, there's confidence. And that's what I really feel like the Lord, through consistency, wants to bring some clarity, which then will give us confidence to live in and live out the vision, which is presence, health and influence. It's detailed in the book and then our, and our eight core beliefs. Does that make sense? Brilliant. So we spoke about consistency and how I, how I felt that that is going to be the motivating factor. We spoke about how athletes at the Commonwealth Games, if they didn't have consistency, they wouldn't be there. 
Those that are going after being a doctor or a lawyer, if there's no consistency, then they can't get there. And, and we shared about how if we want to learn the Word and know what He's like, which we, can, we can't know what He's like unless we know His Word, because His Word reveals what He's like. So if you really want to know what He's like, we've got to know the Word. And consistency is a key to, to know what He's like, because often we forget. If we do things once a month, Chris learning a new riff, if he does it once a month, it's going to be really tough for him to get there. It's basic, it's a basic um, it's a basic understanding, but I've felt from my own experience that I can do the church thing. And often, I've been talking to Lee at the moment. We, 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 we gather around the sermon. Even the post on Facebook yesterday was Justin Box. And I'm like, yeah, that's, we're getting a little bit weird with that, that we're camping and we're building the whole Sunday around a sermon. The message is, is important and, and we value the word. But I think we can get to a point where we put all our eggs into the sermon and then we're so passionate about the sermon and then there's no consistency. So we forget the sermon that we're so passionate about coming for. And I'm like, I feel like the Lord just wants to bring this consistency in so that when we hear this message today, we actually go, hey, Lord, I'm going to take my Bible and I've got a couple of notes because I'm, I'm, I've come under this house I've come under this church, I've, I've entrusted myself to the leadership, which is a big deal, but I'm going to come under because I feel like you've put me here, so it's, it's like a guide for me to navigate with you, a church, you love the church. So I, I feel like he's bringing us into this place where we're going to have consistency with him out of the Sunday and we start to get some momentum. Because if we just bounce from Sunday to Sunday like a big leapfrog, it's really hard to get consistency. And what does consistency cause? It causes momentum. We spoke about that consistency results in momentum. And when momentum happens, it allows the vision to play out. Am I making sense? And I didn't open up what momentum means, but I just felt to do that today, just for a little bit. And we'll talk about the main point of what I want to talk about today. But momentum means, excuse me. The driving force gained by the development of a process or course of events. I'll say it again. The driving force gained by the development of a process or course of events. Something that makes a process or activity happen or happen more quickly. The strength or force that something has when it is moving. And last one, the strength or force that allows something to continue or to grow stronger or faster as time passes. So that's momentum. That, that, the goal of our church is momentum. The goal of our church is that there'd be a momentum. There'd be an unstoppable force, which is His presence, His people, passionate, seeing the fruit of the core beliefs and the vision play out in our lives, our friends being impacted, our city being impacted, where there's this unstoppable momentum happening with us where we're excited because He's, playing, he, he's, he's moving through us. An interesting thing is that if a train was traveling 80 kilometers an hour, it would crash through a five-foot-thick brick wall. But if that same train started a centimeter off the brick wall, it's not going to crash through that concrete. It would do nothing. So I just want you to think about that with momentum. We, we, we talk about this a lot in football, um, 
Alex, my friend on the front row, he, he goes for Geelong and they've through some great choices have built an incredible culture of winning uh, over 10 years. And I messaged him yesterday after Richmond won by 93 points in the wet. I said, um, I said, I'm starting to feel a little bit like you have for the last 10 years, Al, where they just demolish teams that play badly. And I, and, I, and I listened to the press conference of Damien Hardwick and he was talking about how Richmond are in a really great position because we've only got one or two injuries. And their VFL teams, there's a lot of players that could be in, a, in the main team. And he used the word that we're looking for our, our second level players where the key, this is what Damien Hardwick said, the key that we are watching in the VFL is that they are playing well consistently. And if they're not playing well consistently, they will never get into that first team. And then they started talking about momentum. We kicked 10 goals in a row. And if you guys watch any sort of sport, but there is this thing with sport where a team will do something enough consistently where momentum will follow and they'll kick eight or nine goals in a row. Happened last week, unfortunately, with West Coast and Geelong. But there was like a seven goal thing. Momentum, momentum. They're consistently working the game plan. Everyone's switched on. They know their role. There's consistency in their skill and following the game plan. And it releases momentum, which causes the vision to happen, which is to kick goals. And I feel like God's painting. He's using these pictures. He's using these stories. He's reminding me when I watch these press conferences that this is what he's causing us. He he wants momentum. And it's not hype. It's not let's boost a Facebook post so people like it. It's not about creating or manufacturing emotionalism, which is real. We want his presence to lead and guide and go before us and behind us and be in us and on us. That's paramount. We, we know that. But he's calling us to be consistent with his presence. Consistent with his praying, with praying, consistent with worship, consistent with the word, consistent coming along and being present and involved, consistent with, with sharing and encouraging other believers, consistent with, with stepping out in kindness and power. And you know, I've counseled so many young people with it, and we've sat together and I go, How you doing? And they're like, I know what I need to do. And I'm like, consistency is the thing which causes momentum. And we spoke about, okay, what's some keys for consistency? And, and, I, and I shared about how hope is a really big deal because the athletes, if they don't think they're going to win, they're not going to bother with consistency. There's, a, there's this thing in them that drives them and it's hope, which is a confident, eager expectation of good because we've encountered the God of hope. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with peace and joy in believing. We spoke about hope, but then you've got to peel it back again and go, how do we get hope? But these are the questions I want to challenge you as a, as a people to ask the Lord, ask the Lord. Like, okay, that, like I've been taught processing this thing about peace and trust, and I'm like, okay, peace comes from trust, yeah? Peace comes from trust. How do we get trust? Through connection. So really, peace comes from connection, but trust is an ingredient. So if we can learn how to connect with the Lord, peace Uh, trust comes because you know that person. And then what follows trust? Peace. And this is often a a, a result with his promises, that there's a promise here and you need to consistently read the words so you fill in some blanks because our life's more complex than one verse. So good. (laughs) 
We, we spoke about how do we get hope? Well, testimonies of what God has done in our past leading up to our present time where we need hope in this middle part of our journey, the goal's there, our past is there, and we're here. So how do we fill this with hope? Well, we, we remember what he's done for us. We write out a list. I'm not asking you rudely, but have you written that list out after I spoke? I'll challenge you to write it out because that is a hope giver. It's like, God, you did that in the past. And we spoke about what that Greek word, that Hebrew word for testimony means, and it means repeat. So when we've got a stack of testimonies that we read through when we're going through this time in this process where we might not have hope or hope might not be visible, it might be on the outer a little bit, well, when we start to remember, that's like communion, Jesus was a genius. He said, you guys are going to forget. So do this in remembrance. One of the job descriptions of the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15 or 16, and he'll remind you of everything I taught. So, so Holy Spirit and Jesus are geniuses. They, they know we've got to remember because we forget which causes us not to have hope. And remember that Proverbs scripture, 13, 12, I think it is. Proverbs 13, 12 or 12, 13, whatever. You've got two to look, 50, 50. But what's that Proverbs scripture about hope? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So the idea is that as a church, we've got present current hope, which what does that do? It allows us to be consistent. What does consistency do? It brings momentum. What does momentum do? It sees the vision that we're all wanting to see play out. Another part of that was prophecies. We said testimonies bring hope, but prophecies bring hope. Really big deal. In 1 Timothy 1.18 to 19, Paul, who's mentoring Timothy, a young pastor, says, Hey, Timothy, concerning the prophecies, the prophetic words, which a lot of you got last week lining up, a lot of you have got a stack of them on your phone because we write them down or because we've got to remember. We've got to remember what God thinks about us. Promises in the Bible are great and they're important, but they're not personal like a prophetic word is. The promises we stand on and we... We could live our whole life without a prophetic word. No problem. The promises are yes and amen. But he didn't, he didn't design it that way because we've got passages in, this, in the Bible that talks about how important it is that we prophesy. And Paul said to Timothy, so we know it's, and God said, I want that in the book. So we've got this amazing thing that Paul said to Timothy, hey, concerning the prophetic words made over you, like last week, I want you to use them and fight. Because we're all, we're all going through something, yeah? We've all got a list of struggles which, which dint hope, which, which kick hope to the curb and, put it, and makes us defer hope. We've got those things, that list of struggles that we're not ashamed of, but we take it to the Lord and He heals us. So we say, oh, sozo might be a good thing. I've been struggling with this for 10 years and I don't know what it is. So I might go do that so I can have current and present hope. Might be uncomfortable but being uncomfortable for an hour with someone I know is better than deferring hope. So we remember what you did, that list. Remember, you've got two pasts. Yeah? So often as believers, you just got to forget your past. No, no, there's a really big section of your past you've got to remember. You've got two pasts. Before you met Christ, and then everything that he's done. And he was really involved before that as well. 
We get super weird with that whole past thing. Don't let your past define you. You've got to let your past define you. <laughs> you know what I mean, hey? Testimonies. It's a big deal. Prophetic words, they bring hope. And then today, over the last few minutes, um, I just want to share that we've got to know our season. You've got to know where you're at. Like, it's my heart. And the amazing thing, and again, the Bethel team, I'm just, I'm just like, okay, <laughs> here's me just... Um, I've been processing that, like their worship team, their prayer team, the way they talk. We can get super weird and go, oh, Bethel. I'm like, yeah, that's not our heart as a church. Great stuff's happening through a lot of churches. We've got a great relationship with them. It's just the way it's worked out. But I'm like, what is it? And I'm like, it's consistency. They've put themselves in a position, and it's not a, a right or wrong, but Lee and I put ourselves in a position to be consistent. We, we gave up about 100 grand worth of income and money and stuff and went, we're going to go over there for 10 months so that we can be consistently in an environment. So I've been challenged as a pastor, how do we grow in everything that we've got to grow in when we all work, when we've all got our lists, when we're not in an environment where there's no responsibility in terms of work or being on, oh, you've got to be on time to go to a class. <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? So I'm just praying through this at the moment, like, and I look at that and I'm like, what is it? I'm like, it's consistency. Some of those have been there 36 months in a culture of empowering and growth, and we often look at that and go, oh, how does that happen? I'm like, oh, it's consistency. They're in an environment that's not normal, but you can see what happens when consistency is added to someone's life. They're, they've got no option but to be consistent with the way the school's structured. It's a big deal. And, and, and just leading on from that know your season, I could ask any one of that team, where are you currently at with the Lord? And they will talk to me for half an hour. No joke. They'll pull out their journal and explain what he said this morning. I'm not joking. And it's incredible because the leaders of that church over 25 years have fostered that intimacy, that awareness of God's presence that's current. Matthew 4.4, 4, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's the equivalent of the manna in the Old Testament. It's got to be fresh. It's daily. Give us this day our daily bread. It's not just a thing that we, we do at school when we were four. It's the Lord's model for our prayer. It's not the Lord's prayer. That's John 17. We get, we get things weird and label things, and then it's consistently mentioned for 15 years, and then we just go, oh, that's the Lord's prayer. And it's in the Bible. The writers even put it as a heading. And it's not the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> That's John 17. Jesus praying before he was, yeah? It should say the believer's model prayer above Matthew 6. But he said, give us this day our daily bread. And consistency and momentum and hope and testimonies and prophecies and the vision and the core beliefs. I feel like God's adding another layer to us this morning. And you're going to get burdened with the layers if we don't start to add the first one, which is consistency from six weeks ago. Because we're going to keep piling on, which are going to keep affirming. And we're going to have this amazing toolkit so that we can see God blow up in a great way in our life. But I want to encourage you to start putting that belt on because some have already got consistency on the belt. Some have got testimonies on the belt. 
Some have got prophecies on the belt. And we've got three and we're ready for today. Today is know your season on the belt. You can still catch up, but I want to encourage you, consistency is such a big deal. Consistency allows people to watch and observe and not to be involved. And we've all got different lives, but the way we're setting it up, like I don't even want to do announcements on Sunday. You know, I'm like, check the website. It's all there. Let's devote ourselves. Just check the website, put them in your calendar. The, the way iPhones work now, it's awesome. Just like, oh, there's something on this week. Great. Be intentional. Then <laughs> we don't have to do announcements. But we're building, we're adding the podcasts. We've got some busy people in this church. You can still be consistent if you can't make it on a Sunday. Our, our brand new website, Mitch spent like three months on, is incredible. We're on iTunes with a podcast. We've got so many options. Like, we're just going to pump, we're getting, we're setting up some like e-courses that we're going to run here. And if 10 people sign up, awesome. But we just want to pump out these options to give you guys um, the ability and the opportunity to become consistent. So knowing your season as the band can come up. Knowing your season. Actually, just Tash. That'd be great, Tash. Thanks. Who appreciates Tash? Yeah, no, knowing, knowing our season. Seasons define the human race. Seasons define the human race. So much of what we do revolves around seasons. We have four seasons. Each have distinct climate and weather patterns. These weather patterns affect our existence from effect, affecting all of our food and our water supply. When we travel in a particular country at a particular time, at the season determines all of that. Even down to what we wear each day. Even down to our awareness of our current clothing. I want to break down the, we've got to know our season, down to we've really got to know our now. Knowing our now is that fourth thing on our belt. Is like, what is he saying today? Whether it was at home when you had your time with him before church, which is always a good idea, because we can't replicate that one-on-one -on -one time with him. But what's he saying? Knowing your now allows you to be consistent. If you don't know your now, if you don't know your season, which is in your now is in your season. So it's importantly first to know your season so that you can know your now. But the goal is to know your now. Like, where are you at right now? And you can be at all different places with all different things. Like, where are you at with prayer right now? Where are you at with worship right now? Where are you at with believing and healing right now? Like, how's your now? And if you can know your now, then you can identify some things to go after. Knowing our now is a big deal, and, and we find that with knowing our season. Like God moves through seasons. I just want to read a couple of scriptures about seasons. Is this making sense, church? Galatians 6.9, this will be on the podcast. Galatians 6.9, And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in 
due season, we will reap if we don't give up. In due season, we will reap if we don't give up. Knowing our now, God. Knowing our season. Psalm 1-3, you know this well. It's the second part of this amazing three verses. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Amen? 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word. That word preach is to announce. It's not preach like this. It's just to share. It's to announce. We preach to our friends. We might preach a weird word. It's not, it's not preach, preach. It's announce. It's to be a herald, the Bible says. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. So good. Acts 1.7. Jesus, and he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority concerning the second coming of Christ. And one last one, just, just, to, just to stamp that God moves through seasons. Titus 1.3, and which now at his appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God. Galatians 4.4 said, at the appropriate time, at the appropriate season, the seed of the woman, Jesus, was born. God works through seasons. And just now, you can close your eyes, you can start to ask the Lord, God, where am I at? You can keep them open. But God, where am I at? What season of life am I in? It can get super practical. And that's important. Practical is super important. Like I might be in, just in kid, like Mike and Liv have been in just like, their season is young kids, which affects stuff. <laughs> We're going into another season in the next two weeks of having another baby. That's a different season. It's a practical season. And that's really important. It's not all about the, the soaking in worship and prayer. We've got to be practical as well. But then the flip side, God, where are we at? Like, where are we at, God? I don't want to come to church and feel good and feel like we're good and not talk to you for another six days. I want to be consistent. I want to, I want to in the middle of worship, feeling like I'm praising the God that I chatted to yesterday. Not a distant God. So I feel like he wants to remind us of our season. Because if we're aware of his season, then we can know our now. It's just like if we don't know the word of God, we can't really know the moment-to-moment voice of the Lord. Because his voice always comes out of what he's already said. Thanks, God. Thank you, God. He is so complex and our life is so complex. There is so much going on in His world and there's so much going on in our world. Busyness, because of social media, is at an all-time high that we can easily feel like we don't know where we're at with Him and what He's currently doing on the earth, in our church and in us. I'd like to propose to you that for the 6,000 years that man has been on the earth, God works through seasons. He works through seasons and He's interested in your now. Knowing our now causes us to be consistent. If you don't know your now, if you don't know the season, you'll wear a jumper in summer. 
And it feels like that last week. It's like, what season are we in? It's like 30 degrees. But you knowing your now is a really big deal. You knowing your season, you can go, oh, wow, no, no, no. We're in autumn. This is just a bit weird. Knowing your season, knowing your now. God, we love you so much. Let's stand to our feet. Yeah, yeah. Let's just allow the Lord. It's 11.37. We're good. <laughs> Tasha's going to lead us in a little moment. But everything I've spoken to today, I feel like the Holy Spirit's going to just, just settle it. Jesus. Yeah, God. Yeah, we thank you. We thank you. There's so much going on. We thank you that there's so much going on. And I thank you, God, that when we're close, when we're, when we're being intentional, when we're consistent, it, it, it honestly feel like, it feels like time stops. I feel like this is a word that God wants to shift our season. There's people that feel like there's not enough time. And it's almost like freak out and a frustration. But something happened incredible with Joshua that time actually stopped and helped them. The sun stopped and it helped them overcome. I feel like the Lord really supernaturally wants to enable you to be consistent with Him, with your prayer and worship, with your reading the Word, that it's actually going to supernaturally cause you to think and feel like you've got more time. It's like the peace deal in Philippians 4. When we, when we rejoice, and I say again, Paul said rejoice and present our request before God. The rejoicing part's important. We present our request before God. What happens, church? The peace of God, which transcends our own understanding. We don't understand how it happened because it shouldn't happen in the natural. It bypasses logic and reason. And I feel like that's what he wants to do today when it comes to actually spending time with him every day. It's possible for you to spend time with him every day. With your busy schedule, it's possible for you to spend time with him every day. 
It's not a forced religious thing. It's an opportunity and it's possible. But I feel like right now a grace is being released in the room which is gonna allow us to be consistent. And it's a, it's a season shift. And we're gonna feel like we've got more time. Yeah, for some people, and I love social media, but for some people, there's gonna be a little pause on social media to get back to be consistent with Him. I went through a six-month period where it's the first thing I looked at and it's the last thing I looked at. It's probably a four-year period actually, guys. But a really strong one for six months. And I never rebuke anyone's choice and I'm not gonna do that. But I feel like that's significant as well. The social media deal is meant to be a tool and often it's our biggest enemy because as soon as we wake up in bed, we're on it. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we're frustrated because of where we're at with God, which is a result of not being consistent because there's no momentum and there's no hope, then guess what? He wants to do something new. Amen? So God bless as the prayer ministry team comes forward. If any leaders want to jump up and join them,